0: Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission.
1: Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Lamont or visiting Radiolamon.com.
0: They call it the Green Hell. 26 kilometers long. With 170 corners. It's the world's toughest circuit. circuit. And this weekend, we're racing it for 24 hours. The Nürburgring 24 hours.
1: A warm welcome, everybody, to yet more Radio Show Limited coverage of another 24-hour race. Yes, that's right. Straight off the back. Of a slightly delayed 24 Hours of Le Mans, we are ready to get going for the 24 Hours of the Nürburgring, courtesy of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. You're joining RS1 or indeed RS3. My name is Johnny Palmer. We'll introduce the rest of the team in a moment or two, but. Uh, This is a a difficult race to have put together quite clearly, logistically wise, to get everybody on site and safely has also been very, very tough. And we learned midweek that COVID-19 was discovered in amongst the Porsche ranks. So Porsche, the brand from Stuttgart, have had to pull nine of their drivers out of the entry list. That's uh, been a, a nightmare for all involved. Those that obviously weren't at Le Mans and therefore presumably aren't infected uh, have had to rejig their driving lineup. Some indeed, some cars will not even take the start. So for Thursday and Friday, covering Qualifying one, two and three and also top qualifying tomorrow, which is divided into two sessions, I think, for the first time ever, certainly in recent memory. I'm delighted to say that I am joined by a man that has actually raced in this event a little while ago, but it was definitely there on your CV. You've also raced in the Spa 24 hours and British GT along with uh, a historic... Touring Car Championship I think two of them Peter Snowden welcome uh, and I'm, I'm delighted to say that you've actually done some of the NLS races previously as well <laughs> yes. I haven't so your knowledge is going to be uh, second to none there
0: well done NLS, NLS races in terms of commentating with Bruce yes indeed. for, for a radio show yes indeed not actually partaking in one but uh, you mentioned 24 hours and it was 20 years ago thank you Johnny for reminding me that yes, I looked that I'm, up
1: this morning and, <laughs> and I wasn't young to then
0: <laughs> so thanks for reminding me of that one not, not at, at all so I thought, the, the mirror, I thought, the mirror I
1: thought, never I, lies and all that I thought I'd start <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to go on, you know. Um, no, we're all very friendly here. And obviously, yeah. you're well used to four-hour and one six-hour race that the NLS have already done Correct. this year. Now, NLS, Nürburgring 24 hours, they will always make it very obvious that they're not the same championship. It's organised by a, a completely different body. And the one thing we haven't had leading into this is the qualification race that normally dictates who's going to be in the, the all-important top qualifying tomorrow. So there's quite been quite a lot of, kind of rejigging, but that's 2020, isn't it? That's just how we are right now.
0: I was going to say there's two threads there, isn't there? It's, it's almost like politics. It's what they say and what they do is two totally different things. Uh, no, it isn't. They are, they are separate organisations, quite clearly. But uh, I think you talk to anybody involved in teams, they see the uh, VLN, don't call it that, NLS, uh, as a... <laughs> A precursor, certainly the six hour. I mean, KCMG very much like they, they even put out in their, their paraphernalia, their um, ish bulletins, that, that's exactly what it was. It was a build up to
1: yeah. the 24
0: hour. It is, it is accepted internally. But as you said, Johnny, so, so different uh, this year. Um, you won't be familiar, but won't have seen it just yet. The, uh, what Bruce and I refer, happily refer to as the shopping mall, the way the pits work, where you go in and around, and the cars that can't actually haven't got enough steering lot to get in and have to stop. Uh, uh, the house being one of them, for instance, it can't get in through garage one, has to stop, reverse, and go out again. So right. that'll be interesting at night. Uh, yes, it <laughs> Just is. Thinking about that, something to come, look forward to. But they basically go in through garage one and then go down what we call the shopping mall of the, the concrete divider and around back into the pit lane. So it's, uh, I mean, great, great to the organisations of VLN that have done that and from their organising point of view. Uh, now we've got twenty four hours of it. It's very different. As you say no, no qualifying race. Mm. Uh, very, very different qualifying. Um, but also people in grandstands on the on the Grand Prix circuit as well. We've got which we were allowed in for the six-hour race. That was the first one that permitted them. Right. Um, not on the Nordschleife, sadly, so we can't see those flares and barbecues and things going round. And uh, and you say about doing doing the one thing I remember distinctly about doing this at uh, this race 20 years ago was as you went off out through the woods, the, the green hell. You're sitting in a racing car and you think you'd be busy but you're amazed what you see going on around you and the smells and you've you got to know where barbecues were really and they, it was quite strange one of those very surreal sort of sensory things of thinking uh, shouldn't i be concentrating on driving this car and all of a sudden i can smell <laughs> burgers i can smell <laughs> i can smell sausages could and
1: you work out what course <laughs> they were on through yeah, the evening absolutely That's a, that's a bit oh, more salad so,
0: yeah so i think they want ice cream now i think most of it was <laughs> beer though i have a feeling but
1: <laughs> well I'm trying to think how long ago it was now. Three, four, maybe five years ago. I have experienced the support race, the Young Timers race, from the inside of the Caracciola carousel. And, yes, the first tent that I and a few others from Radio Show Limited passed by. We were beckoned inside for a couple of Orsteiners. <laughs> Never met this guy before, but he says, I have beer. Welcome. So, brilliant. I mean, that's this, that is this, this. unfortunately what we're going to miss this year but as you say a limited amount of crowd tickets are available uh, on the grand prix track and uh, so far everyone seems to be sensibly socially distancing within the grandstand uh, we are go and um, the other thing i should point out is that there's no free practice this year the, ca- the schedule very much condensed into three separate qualifying sessions this is going to be 90 minutes obviously held in the daylight because it's 12:30 local time Later on tonight, three hours worth of pretty much night qualifying so that everyone can get used to where those barbecues are, or rather <laughs> aren't. Um, and, you know, there'll be one or two that have never experienced the Nordschleifer in the dark, so plenty of opportunity, I say plenty, three hours goes incredibly quickly, particularly if you're dr- sharing with three other drivers. Uh, to get your reference points, this place changes an awful lot from the daytime into the evening. I make it 23 different classes this year as well. Uh, SP9 separated into Pro and Pro Am's, depending on what your driver makeup is. That's not a difference in the specification of the cars, purely if you've got bronzes and silvers involved. There are some TCR cars as well, including the Hyundai i30N from the Hyundai Works team. They've got a Veloster and an i30 this year. Harry Procek in amongst the driving lineup for the 830 machine but tcr is a category that has taken off worldwide and is very much present on the grid um the one thing that's disappointing and i understand the reason for this is that i think we're actually going to struggle to make three figures in terms of the entry this year i've got 99 on my entry list currently we'd be great to throw in a few extra ones before we get going on saturday 3:30 start local time um, but I mean, I, I don't know whether this race has ever run with a two digit entry field. Can you remember how many were in it in the year 2000? Uh, I can actually, quite extraordinary. I think, I'm going to say I
0: think it was 262. Wow. It was, I know it was well, into the, well over the 250 mark, which I, I just found unbelievable. And yeah. as, uh, as we talked about it, they, they even had reserves. And it was such a, such a long formation lap, as you know, around the north side, 25 kilometres, uh, that what they do was they, they let the cars out of the pit lane onto the Grand Prix circuit, the new circuit as we call it, because it was even newer 20 years ago. Um, and basically you would start that lap, some cars would start that lap, not knowing whether they were going to actually take part in the 24 hour or not. And when they got towards that, the corner where they turn left and go onto that, onto yep. the Nordschleife, or not, a marshal would dictate at that point Via the radio being told somebody's parked or somebody's done it or even maybe it's just even worse crashed it on, a, on an out lap or something or formation lap but the reserve order basically the higher at the reserve order you were the better chance you got and you arrived at it and they basically went that way or go home and back to the pits and imagine all that build up uh, all that everything that goes into we know the logistics we know the effort to get into uh, running a 20 car for a 24 hour race to only drive the Grand Prix circuit and be told sorry you're not in yeah. and go back into the pits or the opposite the elation of arriving going we're in
1: that is and a complete. <laughs> I mean, talk about extremes of motorsport. You know, you're not even. You know, you haven't even started the race by that point. Well, exactly but the point. All are that, you going to be that in All the
0: of emotion. You haven't even started the race. That's just the. Do we do we take part? Do we not? Do you get yeah. in the zone? Do you not? And it was a. Uh, yeah, it's quite extraordinary. But it, it is as you as you said, Johnny. It is something totally different. Um, this circuit venue meeting the whole thing is quite extraordinary that's just a just example that's from 20 years ago yeah as you say sadly not so many cars this year
1: well that brings us quite nicely into the format for qualifying because when you get to the end of the grand prix lap here at the nurburgring towards Hyundai corner as it's called this weekend you've got um you've basically got three choices you can either stay well left and head out onto the Nordschleifer to the hats and back and 25 kilometers worth of racetrack, you can sit in the middle and that allows you to negotiate the hairpin at the end of the Grand Prix track and then feed back into the Grand Prix circuit without going to the pits and it's all carefully coned out or you can stay well right and head into the pit lane. What you currently can't do is head down the Dotinger through Tiergarten and head straight for the pits. You've got to do a full lap of the Grand Prix circuit before you can then gain access to the pits. And there are cones all the way down the start-finish line. So that's, again, something from a logistical point of view that the teams all need to be aware of. You'll probably find that a lot of them early on in this session just do a handful of laps around the Grand Prix circuit, make sure the car is roughly in the sweet spot, and then they will make a plunge onto the hats and back. That's exactly what the 8.30 Hyundai N30 has done. It is Manuel Lauch at the wheel of that, by the way. So he's entered into the TCR category, as is the Veloster. Both types of cars. Well, certainly the Veloster is run in the United States as part of the uh, IMSA, not the main championship, but the um, Michelin Challenge. Uh, I forget the, t- the official name of that now. Pilot Challenge. Thank you, Tim Gray, our uh, executive producer here in the May broadcast centre. So you're listening to RS1, this is the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Johnny Palmer and Peter Snowden taking you through the opening exchanges and very much so the opening exchange exchanges of Qualifying One. These cars will have an awful lot of time to effectively get some practice in. Um, By the way, these sessions, these three sessions, do not guarantee you a place in top qualifying, though, because that's kind of already been dictated by the races we've already had. Confusingly, not by the results, but more so from the average sector times that cars have already displayed. Looks like we may have had an incident a little while ago, potentially between the 8.30. Oh, and the number seven Audi R8. Was there content Ah, there?
0: Yes, because look, he's thinking he's going... The, uh, the TCR car, the Hyundai's thinking it's going on a different part of the circuit and just you I'm amazed that Audi's got all its anti-dive planes on the front still because that was as close as you want to be and uh, I can imagine the pit crew and the team around just going it's the opening laps yeah. we've got a whole day of racing yet come on boys <laughs> yeah there'll be um There'll be be conversations about that afterwards, I'm sure. There needs to be a little... Probably won't involve tea and biscuits.
1: There needs (laughs) to be a little bit of give and take, I would say, at this stage of the day. That was the number seven car collection Audi of Milan Doncha. If you recognise that surname, Milan is the younger brother of Indy Doncha. Uh, Miro Konopka, who was racing at Le Mans, not this year, but last with ARC Bratislava. Got Patrick Niederhauser in that car and Mike David Ortman as well. Uh, But it is a combination of one bronze and a couple of silvers. Niederhauser is the gold, so entered into the Pro-Am category. I just wonder whether that car is on Dunlop tyres as well. I always associate Audis to be on Michelin's. But the other thing I always struggle with is what tyres each of the cars are on because... Whereas Le Mans last weekend, it was essentially a whole load of michelin chod cars with one or two Goodyears. Actually, the Goodyears in LMP2 did very well. Two of them finished on the podium. Sadly, they didn't win the race, but second and third uh, for Jota and for Panis Racing, who got into third position pretty late on after real difficulties for G-Drive Racing. Their TDS car, you might remember, with John Eric Vern at the wheel, a suspension failure. And the other dramas as well up ahead of Palace Racing meant that Julian Canal and the rest of his squad scored a podium. Oh, so important for Julian Canal being a resident of Le Mans. Uh, but, yeah, we've got an awful lot more tyre manufacturers uh, on show this weekend. Michelin and Dunlop, certainly. Toyo Tyres represented not only on the grid, but also uh, in entry names. Novelle Racing with Toyo Tyre by Ring Racing have brought a Toyota Supra to the ring this weekend and also GT tyres but Yokohama I'm sure are present uh, along with one or two others as well normally uh, it's a fun game to head around the paddock at the Nürburgring to tick off something like 11 or 12 different tyre suppliers and I'm going to be interested to see actually how the pit stops are done I'm fully aware that NLS uh, have occupied or or utilised this system of driving partially through the paddock Space at a huge premium, though, this weekend, so I'm not sure whether we are going to be using that uh, system. I mean, from a, from a COVID-19 perspective, it seems to be the order of the weekend, but with this being a round of the World TCR Championship as well, I think there are th- a three races this weekend, quite possibly. Uh, also, the Formula 4s as well, seeing the young hot shoes come through uh, the single-seater world. So it is a busy weekend, and paddock space at a real premium. Kleiner Carousel already for one of the KCMG Porsches and the uh, KCMG lineup has changed a lot as well this season, this uh, weekend I should say, the team from Hong Kong um, because again Porsche have not been able to bring their full quota of works drivers with them after an outbreak of coronavirus at Le Mans within the Porsche ranks so I will give you a recap uh, of how we're looking from KCMG in a moment or two um yeah confirmation now coming through that not only have we always had more than 100 starters with the 24 but never had fewer than 100 finishes in the modern era that's i.e um, uh, that's i.e. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a w- way of doing the sort of AD Peter Snowden because we're <laughs> talking we're talking past we're talking past the year 2000. I could there. see the wheels too They pro- s- since They've grown to a halt for the wheels in my head since then.
0: millennium. And I was like, yes. So the race I did was the first race of the millennium. So yeah. thank thank you yeah.
1: for that, mate. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, ADPS. I'm yeah. gonna call it. Oh. Uh, yeah, um, I think you can get a cream for that. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, it, it, I mean, it, it's always been a huge amount of cars and uh, a real shame. But as I said, you know, th- th- we've got to take into account the current climate. And I'm sure we would be well north of 100 were it, were it not for this uh, horrible disease which has affected the whole of the world. Uh, more padded space available indeed, but uh, we're still not using the Mercedes Arena because... Well, that would ruin things like uh, race distances and numbers of laps completed and whatnot. But this will be the first time, with no qualification race, that this version of the track has been in operation quite possibly all year. Because the NLS events have all been on the the shorter Grand Prix track where you do use the Mercedes Arena and then get partially along that short straight before taking a very awkward uh, banked right-hander. So one or two cars again deciding to just exercise their cars on the Grand Prix track, no option to come off the dotting O'Hur and straight into the pit, you've got to do a full lap. Car collection not showing any visible damage on the front left corner despite that incredibly close call with Manuel Laug at the first turn. So yeah, you're right about uh, dive plane still being intact, thankfully, on the front left corner, Peter. I, I bet that would have got his attention there. That would have, in some ways, having got away
0: with it, and that's probably the key to it. Having got yeah. away with it, it, is probably set the bar for his mindset for the weekend. Of you just, you just have to be careful. Something can change in a matter of seconds uh, in these endurance races, as well. We know, let alone 24 hours. And it, it's, it's not over until Sunday afternoon, and here we are talking on Thursday morning. Uh, and it's uh, that, that's the whole point. Uh, car at the top, talking of Audi's, uh, the first car at the top of is, uh, Frank Steppler in the Phoenix Racing uh, uh, R8, uh, an 8.18, first sort of indicative time. For a moment there, it's dropped down the order a little bit just because of the way they went out onto the grid first, mm. but we had the... Um, Hyundai Veloster in there. I put there about fifth or sixth. All yeah. Oh, I know it's academic, but for them, it'll look great. Oh, no. Take, a, take a snapshot of that and sort of send, send it to your mum. So, look where we are amongst the Lamborghinis and the Audis, etc." Uh, we know it's going to drop down the order. It is now already down to But it's in the top ten. In fact, two of them, the 130 and the Veloster, both in the top ten at the moment. Yeah. Which is quite nice to see. Absolutely. Uh, so, the... Interesting mix at the front there, Johnny. Uh, Audi, Porsche, Audi, Lamborghini. We should talk about Porsche, three Porsches in a row.
1: We should talk about the lineup in the number one car. They've got the number one because they were the winners last year, Phoenix Racing. Normally they would be appearing on the entry, I think it's number four or six, in and around the fight. There is the five Phoenix Racing Audi. Um, anyway, they have changed their lineup, but only very slightly, because Frank Stippler, uh, Frederick Vervi Dries van all in the winning um, all in the winning quartet last year. However, take out Pierre Caffer, who does appear elsewhere in the entry list, we'll talk about him in due course, and insert the current DTM Championship leader in 2020, a certain Nico Muller of Switzerland. So uh, there's no strength in depth lost there for me, arguably, possibly, it gets even stronger. 28 years old, Nico Muller, platinum-rated driver, and uh, really excited to see how he gets on. Cool, um wrap for that car as well it's sort of aquamarine color for the number one machine not seen that on a phoenix car before but yes um the, the porsches sadly uh, are, there are one or two through the entry but what we're not going to see is the car that had thought it had won last year until about a week after the race when yeah the 911 porsche had won on the road and then I remember reading the press seven, eight days later to say no, there'd been a change of result, and actually Phoenix Racing had uh, had inherited it effectively. So it's a, it's a long delay, that seven, or eight it days. Was a isn't long it? I mean, time. we had the, we had the, in uh, I think it was round
0: I think it was round three of the NLS, the uh, Octane Ferrari uh, one on the road. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, then I was uh, removed within the hour because of a um, most extraordinary uh, reason, an um, uh, incorrect compound on the left rear tyre. And it was one of those things quite simply where the manufacturer had failed to communicate to the authorities that it should be on the list. The team thought it was on the list and therefore used it and ran it, got to the end, and then it's taken away simply because, quite simply, an administrative error. Yeah, uh, how galling is that? It wasn't illegal. There was no performance gain other than within the rules. That wasn't a problem. It wasn't nothing exceptional. Uh, but you imagine all that effort of, um, and unfortunately, cause I kept saying to Bruce that car was on for this this win. Mm. He was like, oh, I'm not sure. We went through it, and I, was, I did the um, told you so type thing, as we would, and I'm sure we'll do some of that over the weekend, of uh, and some of our colleagues. And the moment the announcement came out, um, I just got a text from Bruce saying. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. Point proven. <laughs> Point proven. That car, of course, in the field again today, and uh, in the in the six hour that we did just a few weeks ago with uh, John Hindhoff and myself, uh, that car again, uh, a stunning performance all the way through. But it was those two Audis, Audi Sport cars, at the end. Uh, the Ferrari had to do fuel saving. The Swiss team went to octane there, mm-hmm. bit of fuel saving on that car, and he had to slow down. And we saw sector times dropping by. 20 seconds, not just a lap time, sector time, so it was very clear, and they basically had to fuel save that car to stay on the podium and let the Audis come through, and we've got uh, we've got one car already, somebody's had a little bit of an off there, we're just going to have a look. that's the...
1: It's a Cayman, isn't it? It's one of
0: the Caymans from the category, we'll have a, just check on its number there, it is car number 75, yeah. uh, and uh, not quite sure where he's managed to go off, but uh, not too, I think it looks like it's just been a bit of a... Uh, a grass-cutting excursion by the look of it.
1: Uh, That's one of the SP10 cars, which is a GT4 and therefore runs to the kind of world spec of GT4. Uh, We've got one or two other GT4s in other categories, i.e. SP8 and 8T, depending on whether they're turbocharged or not. But uh, yes, that is not the ideal start to the day. I've also drawn to the amount of leaves on the track as well. One thing that uh, John Gore said about the Astons last weekend is that the Aston Martin GTE car has a huge mouth on the front, like a big scoop. And he said, the one thing we've never had to deal with before at Le Mans, because it's not that time of year, is the leaf fall from the trees. Uh, and they were in full, obviously, fall at, at Le Mans. And he said, during every pit stop, we had to employ a guy who would actually scoop out these brown leaves because of the risk of overheating Of the course, engine. because
0: it's in June normally, so suddenly in September, it hasn't been run in September since 1968.
1: 1968
0: yeah. Uh, yet, so you know, think, And of course, talking of big, big-mouthed GTE cars take a look at our uh, AMGs, Mercedes. It's
1: even bigger these
0: days. Exactly. If, anything, if, ever, if ever there was a, I'm here, I'm in your face, this is me. And we, <laughs> uh, we commented this, Bruce and, and John and I have commented this on some of the previous NLS rounds uh, of exactly that, that car sitting behind you. It must be so intimidating, uh, bearing down. It's like something out of Harry Potter, isn't it, almost? Yeah. Sitting there so behind you, almost a, a cauldron bubbling. You've got this Mercedes there. And it's. Uh, if that doesn't scare you out of the way, I don't know what does.
1: That's true. And that's the first time I've heard of Mercedes 2020 spec being compared to Voldemort. But I like I like the comparison. I mean, you would hate to have one of those I said it was grunting, be a long weekend. No, no, uh, very good. Uh, grunting uh, literally into your rear view mirror there as uh, you negotiate some of these really technical parts of the circuit. But yes, the 2020 Evo uh, sort of body kit, and there's a few other extra bits on that Mercedes as well, have brought it on and it, it looks even more menacing. Uh, the usual suspects as far as Mercedes are concerned, HRT are here, Black Falcon are here as well. And uh, HRT actually represented in the auto arena entry, the number six for Patrick assenheimer 's team and the rest of his crew. And cars two and four to look out for with a certain Yelma Berman, Berman in the number two, Adam Christodoulou, Maro Engel in the number four. Uh, along with Lucas Stoltz and Manuel Metzger, that looks like a very threatening in lineup indeed. Tricky to pick uh, who's going to come out on top. I'm going to say, really, between Audi and Mercedes, although BMW are desperate for a good N24 this year. They've had to wait since 2010 for their last victory and it came perilously close, I think it was last year, possibly the year before, when their uh, M6 looked very strong, but they all dropped away eventually. did the most recent winner, Mercedes 2016, the last time they took victory.
0: Yeah, it's a bit, a bit of a mystery with the BMWs, uh, those M6s of um, uh, Rover Racing and Valkenhorst. Mm. Um, absolutely stormed it at the beginning of NLS this year. Uh, almost unbeatable to the point of HRT out racing with the Mercedes. Yes, they were there, but then they had, they had it's qualified in the first round. The Ferrari came on a little bit, but it was always about... Trying to beat the BMWs, yeah. they seem to be the car to have, uh, and then that seems to have faded away, and it's not really sure why. I don't suppose there's any, it's not quite like the world of Formula One, where they bring massive error updates every weekend, and the car this weekend is different spec, etc., etc. So I don't think we're quite in those those realms in the SP9 category, uh, or any of it for that matter. Obviously, there's a bit more controlled further down the field, but it's. Um, I, I hate to use the word flatter to deceive, but it was it was BMWs. And who could threaten them earlier on in the beginning of the first two or three rounds? And that's kind of changed now. And they, they don't seem. To... What was interesting in those first two rounds as well was that the um, particularly the KCMG Porsches, they didn't do so well in the dry until it got damp. Okay. And then those Porsches really came to the fore. And we're just seeing now that, uh, just looking at the time. I know it's fairly academic, but it's a bit of a pointer for us, Johnny. No, no, carry on. We've still got that Phoenix racing car at the front. And then we've got three. Porsches, 911 GT3s in the background, two KCMG cars, and then the Falcon Motorsports on two, three, and four. Uh, so they're they're laying the marker down. And this part of the the qualifying, you know, we, we've got a whole weekend of this. We've got a 24-hour race. We did them on last weekend, so you're you're in the groove already. You never really got out of it. <laughs> came home Wednesday, uh, had a, had a bath, and came here again. Out out again. The, exactly. Yeah. Um, so long. It seems odd to be talking about these things now, but there's there's a lot of psychology with these drivers and the teams of. It may not count, it may not take you through to super pole, pole, whatever it may be, shootout, all the different terms we've used over the years. But there's still that bragging rights of, hmm, we're there at the top, we're there yep. they thereabouts. And it does set the order. And I've seen we've seen it done in the past, even teams uh, that haven't got as high a qualifying position as they like, but more race day morning, they do something a bit naughty, a bit tweaky on morning warm-up. Mm -hmm. And it's totally psychological, and it's gamesmanship, it's getting inside the other person's head to the point where the team down the pit lane goes, what have they done different? The point is, they're there thinking about you, not about them and it's all about distracting that. and it's it's hilarious. we'll see this unfold over the weekend and I know somebody who's an absolute master at spotting all that is our colleague Joe Bradley who will be joining us for the race because uh, he loves all that kind of psycho stuff and whatever so
1: yes he will so you got me and Peter for today and tomorrow uh, Joe Bradley Nick Damon and Alex Brundle will be the supporting cast no I'm being cruel we're all on, <laughs> a, le- we're on a level uh, so we'll have five different voices throughout the now course. Said it. that's true it's there on the archive forevermore <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a you know talk about uh, the various lineups that these teams have turned up with. That's a decent uh, commentator rotation that oh, we're going to go so. for. Yes, yes. yes.
0: it's going to it's going to be lively. Good to see uh, Alex Brundle as a former class winner in the 24 Hours, isn't he? Yes, he
1: is. Last yeah. year, yeah, last yeah, year for Aston Martin. <laughs> yeah. He's a, an ELMS race winner from this year. Led the race last weekend at Le Mans too. And uh, former LMP3 champion. So, uh, credentials almost as good as yours, Peter.
0: <laughs> way, way, way different, different ways <laughs> on a whole different level. You're very, you're very kind. You can't keep this up for four no, days. I can't. You can't. I think, um, I think you've peaked early, Johnny.
1: What we've got here is a list of the drivers from Porsche who sadly cannot be on site because of the COVID 19 that was discovered uh, in their team last weekend. So, these drivers had all planned to race at the Nürburgring. Ring. Uh, nine of them cannot. Richard Leeds. Patrick Pile, Roman Dumas, Matt Campbell, uh, Michael Christensen and Kevin Estra, the former World Endurance Champions in GTE level. Thomas Prining, who had a nasty looking crash at Le Mans, not his fault, but uh, after a a Ferrari lost it uh, through Dunlop Curve, he kind of went off in sympathy and clattered the barrier. We thought that his car was due to be out, but uh, it was resurrected from virtually the grave. Uh, Matteo Cairoli, who was very much involved in that last hour of GTE-AM battling. For, he finished fourth eventually after a little bit of contact at the Dunlop at the rather Ford chicane. And Julian Andlauer, still very early on in his Porsche career, but he had planned to be uh, at the racetrack as well. So that means quite a lot of rejigging within Porsche. There is no Manti entry at all. The Grello car has had to be... Uh, shelved for this season because there are not enough drivers uh, to race it and KCMG we've talked about um, they have brought in, well what what about this for a supporting cast you can't get some of those drivers so bring in instead in the, the number 18 car Earl Bamber uh, Timo Bernhardt, former 919 LMP1 driver, and York Bergmeister, who is a multiple champion, not only uh, in Europe, but also huge success through the years in the United States. So it'll be Bamba, Bernhardt and Bergmeister, all the bees, to join Norwegian driver Dennis Olsen. And Olsen's going to be on double duty, racing not only the 18 but the 19 as well, with Eduardo Liberati, the Italian, Josh Burden, the 28-year-old Tasmanian, and Alexandra Imperatori. So KCMG have done an incredibly good job, actually, there to kind of piece together a team that was sort of there in part. Um, and then there are others that have had a very, very late phone call to say, get to the Nürburgring, we're desperate for you. And uh, Falcon also having to make some rearrangements. Remember, Falcon these days, they used to run a, a Porsche and a BMW to demonstrate how good the Falcon tire was on very many different or two different chassis. Uh, two Porsches though this season. I think they've run that way all the way through the year. And in the 33, it'll be Christian Engelhart, Sven Müller, Klaus Backler in both cars, and Dirk Werner. And then in the 44, uh, Backler, Müller, Dumbreck, and Raginger. And I have to say, the 33 car wasn't wasting too much time there in. Getting through some back-marking traffic, some slower-going traffic from the other classes, Peter. Well, and this is the thing that we see
0: time and time again in this. We know it in endurance trace. We saw it at the Mon last weekend. Uh, but it's, it's a totally different sort of circuit in here, and we haven't got even to the night bit, of course, and lots of Le Mans is illuminated in bits of it, whereas here it's not. You're out in no. the woods, very different, much like Spa. You've got your pit complex illuminated, and then all of a sudden you disappear into into the woods. Of course, we're not a million miles away from Spa. We're, what, 60 k's away, something like that? Something like that. Um, so a similar part of the world. Um, difficult is the bat markers, and you come up there, two bat markers. It's not, even, it's not even a proper full counting qualifying session. It's... Uh, it's a really go and, go and get your way around the circuit and a bit of track time and a bit of experience yeah. if anybody needs it. But the, the Falcon car there, the Sven Muller number eight car, uh, having to sit behind two uh, of the uh, BMWs from the Cup class for three or four corners. And he came up behind. I saw them, the two were battling one another. And as soon as the, the brake lights came on, he's got to slow down, he's got to sit there. And you think, OK, through the corner, it'll be done. And they didn't. They carried on their own battle. And they get so immersed in that. And they've got every right to do that. And that is... It is the rule and the etiquette of the racetrack it's always the the faster car's responsibility to get around the slower car but that's when you get frustration that's when it starts to become an issue mm. and you can't have that in a race uh, and this is this and this is just the, fr-
1: the first track action of the weekend johnny and we're already, yep. get, we're already seeing it now uh, it's already getting pretty close for comfort and i mean all the GT3 cars, whether you're in pro or pro-amp, you're already into qualifying tomorrow night. So, you know, it's a question about how, how hard you actually push. Yes, you want to be out there for for good race pace, and you want to, at some stage, set the car up for a good qualifying lap as well. But it is a question about how, how much you risk, because, as you say, for the GT3 cars, this counts for absolutely nothing as far as where, in what order they will start on the grid to, uh, for Saturday. So, yeah, presented by two BMWs, they look like uh, the 3 Series cars, 325i yeah. machines. Uh, where do you go? I mean, they are literally door handle to door handle. Is it the job of one to give way to the other? Not really, because you're out there trying to get good times yourself. And these guys actually are qualifying for their position on the grid. That's the only Exactly. Thing.
0: So in, in some ways, it's, it's really down to the, the GT3 or the SP9 Porsche there to actually back out it, because they, they are qualifying. It's not so important to him, but it is... It's 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 that it's that age-old thing we so often say. You you cannot teach or train a racing driver to drive slowly. No. You, you don't want to do it. It's not in the instinct. And almost sometimes, if you did, you'd be like, well, why? But equally, it's that balance of why would you get caught up in something that minor to you? Yeah. It's important to the BMWs because they're qualifying, as you've said. But to you, it's it's kind of irrelevant. But you've got to get, in. and it's and that's where the top drivers. We've seen it the way they think. you know we look at the people that are at the front there you know the the team of bernard and those sorts of guys up at the front that's when they go actually doesn't matter but it's it takes something to do that because you're out on track and there's a reason they became racing drivers and it wasn't to drive porsches slowly around the nordschleife (laughs)
1: no no quite the opposite um just caught a glimpse a moment or two ago. Yeah, that's the, the engine you can hear briefly in the background of Fred Vervich. So this is the number one car, which uh, is actually a much darker green than I had been led to believe from the publicity shots. Entered as Audi Sport Team Phoenix. There are three Phoenix racing entries this year, uh, but that looks incredibly strong. Fred Vervich, the older of the two Belgians in that car. He is gold graded. Joined by Frank Stippler, Dries Van Tor who's the other Belgian in that car, and Nico Müller, the man from Thun in Switzerland, and they run on Michelin tyres. Really smart livery that, with a little bit of red detailing here and there, but it's principally dark green, and a, a real departure from what I'm used to from Phoenix Racing. It's quite quite a retro sort of colour scheme. Yeah, it? it's almost almost a 19 sort of 50s, 60s Grand Prix
0: team colours. It's quite mm. quite retro. That um, uh, dare I say, a haulage. Colours on on the roads. It's a a bit Eddie Stobart, isn't it? I suppose it's not far off that. Slightly lighter green for Eddie, but
1: no, I see where you're coming from. We're
0: digressing too early, aren't we? (laughs) We're getting to lorries already. It's a a very fast lorry. The sort of mileage they're
1: going to be doing through Saturday and Sunday (laughs) is equivalent to uh, an articulated lorry on a standard shift. So that number one car now turning through the Yokohama S, as it is called. I'd never get, I I can't sort of cease to be surprised by how tight that corner is, particularly when you've got three separate grids thundering their way down to that scene at 3.30 on Saturday afternoon. Let's hope they all get through. Uh, V4 BMW still very much side by side. That was the rolling roadblock that the, the number 33 Falcon Motorsport Porsche had to encounter a little while ago. And let's uh, mention very briefly the young Frenchman who tops the times, Jules Gounon, again in a Phoenix racing car. He was racing at Le Mans last weekend as well. This is a full-pro entry for Kim-Louis Schramm, Michele Beretta, again, someone in action at Le Mans last weekend, and a certain Frank Stipler, who is in both cars, the number one and the number five. Promises to be a pretty busy um, weekend for the German, therefore. So, Goon on top of times by almost a clear three seconds over Timo Bernhardt and Fred vervish So, that is uh, Audi from Bernhardt in his Audi for KCMG. And then the number one Fred Vervich driven car. 21 is the, I think I'm right in saying, the Lamborghini Huracan. Yes, it is, of Conrad Motorsports. Franz Conrad, the Austrian, although the team now based in Germany and Michele Di Martino, Marco Mapelli, Frank Pereira, and Axel Jeffries is the familiar lineup uh, in that sort of turquoise and black Huracan. The the only Lambo, sadly, on the grid. But sounds a lot like the Audis as they go by because it's pretty much the same power plant, the normally aspirated 5.2-litre V10 that powers all of these four ringed cars, too. Busy again for the blue and black Mercedes that is trying to sneak through early on in the lap. They're heading just beyond Flugplatz. And now, as they head towards Schwedenkreuz, the opportunity for that uh, thundering GT3 car to nip by. But you've sometimes got to be so, so patient, especially early on after the hats and back. Are you saying,
0: earlier about the, those AMG Mercedes and, and the, the looks of them and uh, the, sort of the Voldemort look, but also it's the sound of them. Well, they've, yeah. they've got, I mean, it, they've got a real deep bass sound. There is something quite extraordinary about the Mercedes. they It does really make the ground ground shake there. The BMW indicating out of the way, very kind of there to let him through, which is very, very courteous. I think that kind of proves our point, doesn't it? You've got that coming up in your mirrors, that put, I'll just put the indicator on to keep the it way. Mm. It's also, I think, the first recorded incident of an indicator working on a BMW. Is that right? Yeah. What, write, it do, down, write it down a, in your diary, folks. Session. Exactly. Timestamp that one. <laughs> it explodes that myth quite early <laughs> on, at least. It does work. Uh, Gunon at the top. Uh, when I think of Gunon, I think, of course, uh, Mr. Jean-Marc you know, Gounon. Well, it's looking. his dad. Just, yeah, exactly. That's a pro- you, you're showing my age. You're doing it Sorry. again. I look yeah. it and think, Gounon. he's going well still. That's yeah. I re- then I realise it's Well, what it's about,
1: his about Mr. Delatraz at Le Mans last year? Do you have the same feeling?
0: Yes, yes.
1: you are racing against him as
0: well. OK. <laughs> yes, a long time ago. And, and Mr. Dumas as well. When he was uh, in... They won the uh, 2003... Spa 24-hour in a Porsche, which is the NGT class, and they shouldn't have won it, and it was Ortelli Dumas, and I'm going to have to look up who the third driver was now, uh, 2003, somebody's going to tell us straight away, aren't they? And it was from the NGT category, and it rained 20 out of 24 hours on a biblical sense, Wow! and an NGT car and won it, and they won it, I think it was car number 50 or 51, how sad is that?
1: These things just stick in your mind, though, don't they? You don't have to learn them; they just
0: yeah. When you're beaten by a car from a lower category, told you everything about it. It hurts even now. I I think it it was a 5 run car. I think it was. Okay, Um, I'm gonna have to look it up now, aren't I? By all means, before somebody corrects us. um. By all
1: means. (laughs) Um, By the way, uh, you can totally get involved with our broadcasts here on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. This is qualifying one for the Nürburgring 24 hours. A very special year for the race, don't forget. Celebrating its 50th Anniversary. I had to count back then, but yes, the first ever race was 1970, so 50 years with the Nürburgring, 24 hours. This is the 48th edition, after three of them in the past uh, did not take place for various reasons. But thankfully, well, touch wood here, COVID-19 is not one of those reasons why the race will not take place in 2020. And the NGT winner that you were trying to... Spa 2003. Yeah, I've got Stefan Telly and Roman aware.
0: Dumas. How could I overlook Mark Lee? In that How car could as well. you? Well, yeah, it was car number 15, it was a Motorsport there. So, my apologies to Mark Lee and all his supporters for omitting him from the driver lineup, but they did win it uh, back in 2003 in that rain uh, beating a, a BMS Scudera Ferrari 550 to second place, would you believe? Mm. Of a, again, no less a lineup than uh, Fabrizio Godin, Capillari, Caldor, and Lillian Briner the, lady, the Swiss lady that drove the car in those days. Yeah. Uh, I remember that one well, but it was. Mem- I remember the point being that it was. Um, it just goes to show exactly what we're talking about. A twenty-four hour race. It rains. Conditions change. Something can happen. And what you, a car from a category you wouldn't expect, can suddenly pull a surprise. I'm
1: not sure whether you've seen a forecast for this weekend, but um, it's I'm tr- not... I'm
0: try- I wasn't going to talk about it just yet. I thought, okay. we're, I thought we were going to save that to sort of... Maybe, Fine. maybe this evening. I don't know. Or maybe
1: t- maybe till Sunday, on, uh, Sunday afternoon. Got all the the table straight away from Johnny. No, no, no. <laughs> well, the thing is, we, oh, actually, a moment or two ago, there was some more contact. This time for the uh, Franz Motorsport, uh, the... Uh, not France Motorsport the Conrad Motorsport, uh, Mixing his first name with his second name There, Lamborghini and yeah, a the Porsche
0: Fricadelli Porsche.
1: Yeah, not sure whether that was a 30 or the 31 30. Okay, so that's the Pro-Am entry and Two into one wouldn't go there on the second part of the well the run into the hats and back essentially That was the second left-hander. I reckon after the uh, section of track that heads over the road the road bridge
0: yeah, Klaus Abelin at the wheel of the Frickadelli Porsche and just, as you say, just basically got got taken out, I think. I think it was one of the things that the, the, the gap that they Lambert thought was there wasn't there, and so yeah. be it.
1: Marco Mapelli trying to sneak up the inside to gain track position on the so important Hassan back not like Marco Mapelli. Back. It's not, agreed. But and whether, he, whether it was a slightly confusing moment that he thought Klaus was leaving the door open and at the very last minute came across the nose, but it tends to be always... The fault of the car behind whether that's going to be investigated we'll have to wait and see race control have many more angles of view than uh, we do
0: well the insurance can talk about it can't they? And they'll sort it out between them they yeah, will put a claim in or indeed
1: so however it works the colors of lant motorsport represented on the grid which is something i hadn't realized early entry lists just list a whole load of audis as entries from the audi sport team but that's definitely the green and white of lant and number 29 is the car i'm talking about for mattia drudy chris meese Rene rast former dtm or current dtm champion i suppose we can say reigning and kelvin van der Linde, the older of the two van der Linde brothers so uh, they're choosing not to go onto the long track instead swoop through the tire bales and back onto the grand prix track so three different choices you can make at the end of the grand prix lap I did go on st- onto the nordschleife uh, your B option is to do a, another lap of the Grand Prix circuit, or C, go into the pits. I wasn't aware there was a smart car entered uh, a class for this year. That's not out on track. Instead, some of the circuit crew, I think, making their way around the venue and using the little cut-through that is in use during the NLS rounds. Thankfully, not today, though.
0: It's still quite alarming seeing how just the other side of the barriers is the track action and somebody's going, yeah. Marshall's in, a, in their orange overalls going the opposite way in a smart card, thinking that's, that's not smart, Johnny. It's not smart no Th- that's it I won't do any more drills presu- for like
1: that that's, that's, that's as good as I get presumably they've got permission to do that uh, yeah making their way back to the paddock uh, looking up at the Mercedes Arena grandstand as well one or two people in there that's normally flooded with fans particularly on the Saturday afternoon ahead of the race start not going to be the same this year of course but pleased to see that it is open and welcoming those that have got tickets for it tickets becoming available pretty late in the piece this year in the last week or so um, for those that want to experience this race from the Grand Prix track but sadly nobody permitted into the Nordschleife campsites for 2020. The number two car is the one that was being a little delayed in amongst traffic which is one of a handful of entries from Mercedes-AMG Team HRT. Hubert Haupt and Yelma Berman who are regularly in a car together joined by Nico Bastian and Philip Ellis, the German-born Brit. So that will be one that we will be focusing on, I'm sure. Yelmer Berman is at the wheel currently and wondering wh- whether to thread the eye of the needle there just before the run out onto the hats and back. Let's hope Manuel Lauk has seen him in the Hyundai. He did. And possibly in a GT3 card. The safer way to do it is around the outside of that left-hander onto the hats and back. That's maybe where Marco Mapelli went wrong. Uh, very good point, because all the...
0: It's your own fault then, isn't it? All you're going to do is run out of road. You're not going to crash somebody else. So you go around the long way. Um, but it's it is quite brave, as you say.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, fantastic livery on that number two Mercedes as well. I'm trying to get a. Try- there must be a theme to that, as to something to it. And I'd like to. I'd love to know what it is now. Now one of the uh, m 6 is going very slowly. Uh, is that going to be an issue? Almost looking like they're restarting. That's a number 17. Uh, Martin Tomczyk. Uh, Forty-two, actually. We, ju- we, ju- we just saw a clip. There were basically that, that the lights went off and on, which, which almost to me, like almost like an alt control reset, restarted yeah. the whole thing. So power off, power back on again. But he uh, seems to have picked up pace again. So uh, that's not what you want on your sort of out lap of your first bit no. of track, actually, of a four-day weekend, and a 24-hour no. weekend, is it? And, and I, I imagine that feeling would just be, oh, your heart sinks when it, when it cuts and reset it, reset it. And, Uh, It all seems okay now, we will keep an eye on that, let's say that's the number uh, 42 42. car, one of our M60s in the field, that's the uh, Team Schnitzer car, Martin Tomczyk at the wheel of that car at the moment, uh, also piloted by no less than Augusto Farfus, Jens Klingman and... Sheldon van der Linde. So again, uh, a pretty average lineup in that car. Yeah, they, I can't they, see any. They've just they just found some drivers for the yeah, Nurburgring. Pretty they, really? much. I yeah. can't
1: see anybody who's going to light up the timing nah. screen there. Yeah. Come the race. Um, interestingly, that's the first car on the list for top qualifying two tomorrow. There are 13 cars already into the second bit of the the shootout effectively, and 42 is there as the first car. So I think they must have earned that. Probably from NLS 1, and as I say, it's Indeed. not, from, it's not yeah. from results, it's from lap or sector times, actually. Uh, so if that car has shown it incredibly good average times through the race, then you are in to top qualifying. But do you remember that car going well in NLS 1? It did, it
0: did, absolutely, and that proves it's right. That car has come straight back into the pits, by the way, Johnny, so mm. there possibly was a was an issue there. Uh, that's straight in now, so they're going to get that up and have a look at it, see what's going on with that. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a bit like Indy qualifying, isn't it? It's not really where you finish the race, you might have won it last year, so-and-so. It's what pace you can set that month of May. It's yep. like the, the thing about the, the Nürburgring. Because it is such an extraordinary circuit, so let's, let's not lose sight of this. It's 170 corners. Just think that for it, in one lap. 170 corners in one lap. Uh, it's obviously BMW's moment now, because the Rover uh, racing car into the pits as well. Um, number 99 car. And it, it, you almost got to stop and think about that, because we, we, we take it as, as Reddit, because we do this all the time, and we think the Mans 24 hours, and you talk to people outside of our industry, and they say, what, what do you mean the car goes, what's a 24-hour race, or wh- when do you rest? And like, Well, yeah. they don't, the drivers do, you have a rotation of drivers, mechanics don't, and the car has to go all the way through. And it's a, this idea of race a car for a day, Mm. Literally twice around the clock. Away you go. Here we go. Um, and it's 170 corners on one lap. We're talking eight-minute laps
1: yeah. here. Yeah, uh, Whereas normally,
0: and this is what we were saying, John and I were saying this last time, the, the six-hour round of NLS 5. It has such an effect on strategy and people and what you do, fuel strategy, vital and endurance racing. But one lap extra, almost anywhere else in the world, is one and a half, two minutes as a rule. Rule of thumb, Yeah. Here, mm, with an in and out, that's 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, and another 16 miles that you've committed <laughs> exactly. to, effectively. And that's
0: a lot of fuel, and, you know, and race cars tend to use quite a bit of fuel because they're quite thirsty, uh, so you know, running that one extra lap, normally you're allowed a little bit, you've got a little bit of room with that gamble. Here, one, one lap extra can be absolutely critical as to whether, whether it actually completes that lap or not.
1: Yeah. And fuel uh,
0: fuel ways. That's always a problem. That's what, and engineers want the car to weigh nothing. Hence, you get thin, skinny racing drivers, like, you know, six stone ringing wet in overalls. That's what you need because you don't want any weight in the car. So, it, it, there's all these things, and this this will come out loads more during the race, obviously. But it's uh, all the strategies, and of course, then you've got the strategists watching what the other teams are doing mm-hmm. and trying to second guess what they're doing, and are they setting setting out you know, a ringer or doing something to divert them? Uh, so many threads, so many aspects, Johnny. And uh, and uh, I'm scared of peeking early, cause we're only, except we're only well, about no. an hour into our, our four days of commentary. Yeah,
1: still got 45 <laughs> minutes of this session to go. <laughs> yeah. And always it's about five minutes longer than that anyway, because the session allows anybody that's just started a lap to complete it. So you're talking... Well, another eight minutes, as Peter makes yeah. a point, bolted onto the end. Uh, it, the difference, and we'll get to this in detail, but the difference with this race from the NLS events is that when the and flag comes out at the end of 24 hours, it just comes out. They don't wait for the leader. Uh, that is it. So everybody is locked into the positions, and if you have just crossed the line as the race leader with the guy second place behind and the and flag falls between you, you win by a lap, and it's uh, pretty much cemented in like that. Whereas with NLS, uh, you wait for the race uh, leader at the time to come around, so it can be four minutes, four, uh, sorry, four hours, four minutes, five minutes, six minutes, but that doesn't happen in this race, but we can delve into that uh, in due course. The other thing that's active this weekend is the very quick motorcycle chicane, rather than the one that you may well be used to from Grand Prix of old and the DTM races here as well, where it's a much harder stop and a proper 90-degree left and right. Uh, It is a high-speed chicane in use this weekend, and uh, the cones that tell you where the apex is tend not to last too long for the first couple of laps. I'm I'm amazed they're still there, to be honest. I know, they're doing well.
0: I know most touring car and GT drivers that uh, that I know of would would get those um, shifted and gone straight away. (laughs) certainly the likes of uh, uh, Bradley Ellis and stuff in their day. Uh, Yes. They'd have those out the way no, straight he would, away. We've he got pulls no punches. Certainly. Uh, no, he doesn't. No, uh, on or off the track, to be honest. But that's, that's, a, that's another story for me. But the night. always time been, been very neat
1: up. and tidy as a safety car driver, though. I will say yes, about Brad.
0: Uh, oh, to- totally, totally professional.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, and no surprise that uh, he's regularly the BTCC safety car driver. I don't know who he is these days. It might still be Brad from time to time or the doctor's car. Scott Stringfellow. Scott Stringfellow is the safety car. Yes, you're right. And I think Brad, often in the doctor's car... Um, yeah, or, the, otherwise
0: Bill Coombs, quite often from, from Truxton, was yes. also um, yeah, great, a doctor. Great driver. Yes, yes. Um, the man that, if you, ever to, if you ever want to talk about his low of a career, was driving historic f- Tyrrell at the British Grand Prix support race And his owner decided for the first time ever he was going to get involved in the strategy of the car and work out the fuel loads, and Bill disagreed with him. And he was leading, and Bill's probably listening to this. I'm probably going to get a message or anything for (laughs) for reminding me. Thank you, Bill. Um, He was leading the British Grand Prix historic Formula One support race. If ever there's a race to win, you haven't won the British Grand Prix, but you are at that event, and it ran out on the last lap. That is now how do, how devastating, do you start isn't isn't that conversation with the owner that's taken that decision, but equally provides the car for you?
1: <laughs> rather him rather than yes. me, I have to say, that's very tricky. Yeah. So every time you see Bill, you make sure he doesn't forget that, do you? Uh, absolutely,
0: he, yeah. he does exactly the same. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as you yeah. both know where you stand. Yes, I, th- I think they call it banter, but uh, yeah, som- sometimes outsiders might not get it, and it's uh, it's. It's quite different in motorsport. I think that's what you do. You pick out the bit that's
1: going to wind somebody up and and focus on it. (laughs) Uh, Christian Krognes has won the 24 hours of Spa before, but never, I think I'm right in saying, the Nürburgring. So that's one to tick off for Valkenhorst Motorsport this year. And Christian, a really impressive driver, just keeps getting better and better from Norway. He's 30 years old now. And joined by David Pittard, Mikkel Jensen. Mikkel Jensen, who was in an LMP2 last weekend and very nearly came away with a podium were it not for Jean Eric Verne's suspension failure at Indianapolis, of all places. Thankfully, Jean Eric Verne did get the car stopped in time short of the tyre wall, but Mikkel Jensen uh, could have got himself a podium and his first LMP2 entry. That wasn't to be. And they are joined by young South African driver Jordan Pepper in the Vulcan Horse Motorsport BMW. They are also confirmed for the second bit of top qualifying tomorrow. As I said, there are 13 cars already in. uh, 42 Schnitzer BMW, one one of them, uh, along with both, actually. Vulcan Horse Motorsport uh, BMWs, the... 100 and the 101 and the 98 and the 99 so that that's testament to how good the M6 has been this year how quick the M6 has been this year five of them already into top qualifying and particularly David Pittard uh, we've mm. referred to him as, a, the, as the little
0: terrier mm. uh, and he seems to do he, he did opening stints of NLS quite a bit and we, we were uh, Bruce and I were commenting that he was taking Risks that you would expect to be from a qualifying lap in the opening stint and getting away with it. So such as his ability and confidence in that car. Yeah. Uh, and he's able to do it. Uh, and, really, and then again, quite often a closing stint. Uh, and that they, in fact, they won one round. Uh, so it's quite impressive. Just as we were saying about um, Marco Mapelli had that little little connection with the number 34 earlier on. Well, at the moment, he's just popped the Conrad Motorsport Lamborghini Huracan onto the top of the timesheets as it is at the moment. So... Uh, it's been an all-German display with that Audi, sorry, some, uh, some that Lamborghini, uh, somewhere in the mix there. But that's now at the top of the timesheet. They've gone from uh, down to an 811. Okay. Bearing in mind that Gunon, which is in second place, the Phoenix Audi was on an 815. Uh, so it's, uh, it's quite, a, quite a chunk out. Uh, it is. And it's, it's, it's all relative. And I'm not going to get too excited about it, but it is, it is happening on the time scheme in front of us. Marco Mappelli in the pits with the Lamborghini now, so he's done his lap. Um, Currently, we're looking at uh, yeah, Lamborghini, Audi, Mercedes, Porsche, Audi, Mercedes. Quite a mix up there at the front. Uh, Conrad Motorsport, Phoenix, uh, Team HRT, KCMG, and amongst the mix, Audi Sport Team. Uh, languishing, uh, Vavish almost. I'm going to say languishing in fifth for the moment. It is somewhat academic because we say it's not. and It's a 24-hour race as well. It doesn't really matter. I, I've often, I've often wondered actually, from a, a point of view of of driving, all this pressure uh, and emphasis on qualifying well, qualifying well, and whatever. It's not really about the time as long as you're not way off the pace because it's a 24-hour race. Mm. The biggest advantage I always thought as a driver being at the pointy end of the grid of a long race was you're clear of all the traffic. You can get out there and the the further you're, the less you've got to deal with cars in front of you. If you're midfield or further down once you get to sort of 10th, 15th yep. and we know only too well what have we got turn one here at, on, at Germany? We've seen it all season long in NLS. Some people have got away with it, some people haven't. Uh, we've seen, already seen one bit where the anti-dive planes we thought would be flying up in the air and carbon only just got away with it. I think it would have needed a feeler gauge to get between those two, because uh, that, was, that was as close as you could probably get. Um, but it is... It, it's, it's not
1: just academic. Pole position doesn't really matter.
0: No. But it I does th- psychologically, and it yeah. does for clear track ahead of you.
1: And obviously it does if you've won it, because then you can write all the headlines, Audi, Mercedes, BMW, <laughs> yeah. and Porsche can say we were pole position at the Nürburgring. But I know what you're saying. Yeah. Everybody forgets by the end of the race, Sunday afternoon, who was on pole position. Yeah. Um, and it is literally for, for bragging rights, it would seem, Yeah, uh, on, Friday once the race night into started, it's,
0: it's done, isn't it? It's, it's forgotten. But uh, it, at this point today, we haven't got that far. Uh, I'd say we've got some 37 minutes of this first session of track activity to go still. Uh, it is a Lamborghini, the uh, Conrad Motorsport car, at the top of the timesheets currently. was peddled by uh, Marco Mapelli. It's currently in the pits. Uh, gunon is on the provisional front row, as it were, in the was uh, gunon in the Phoenix Racing Audi R8. Some three, nearly four seconds adrift, actually, uh, in times. It was quite a big jump, that, uh, for the Mapelli. I'm sure times will come down. I would... I would predict i wouldn't be at all surprised if we get into qualifyings of well under the 810s probably eight eights i'd have thought we will get down to we'll last s- we'll see. year's poll i'm going to risk it now and i've said it now yeah no. very jo- good johnny's now writing that down that, this uh, no, time I, like that it. I said that and he's going to come back you have he's, taken he's, he's, his gonna, he's actually, he's actually going to do it now he really is going to write it down now he's going to hold it back at me i've got highlighters in my bags so if you need to just go beyond this point you said you have yeah. taken into
1: account the longer <laughs> track we're on, haven't you, as well, yes. this, this weekend? Yeah. Good. That's all right. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm, ju- I'm just looking relevant to the 8.11 now. Mm. I'm giving I'm it real time. <laughs> 8.10.9 was last year's pole position time. Now, I'm trying to rack my brains to, to work out what weather conditions we had. It was late in the day. That mm-hmm. session was sort of 5.30, 6 o'clock, I think. Um, and they were only given two laps each, bear in mind. So, but then a uh, clear track out front. And what month was that? And that would be in... That was, August, May, May, May. Okay. No, it wasn't. It was after, no. It was a week after. Ju- uh, it was a week after Le Mans. So, so it, was June. June. it was June. It was late yeah, June. 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 Late yeah, towards June. is towards the
0: week after Le Mans. I'm going to say. Going on right. Go I know he's got his pen poised. This It's like being at the bookies. This is. Going <laughs> to get my odds. Here we go. I'm going to say an 808 for fine. Right. There you go. A high
1: 808.
0: Yes, yes. The top half of it. An 808.5 or above. Or north of that. Or north of that, indeed. There you go. So I can can hear John Hindhoff, Bruce Jones, Joe Bradley all giggling hysterically in the background. at He's just said, what? (laughs) An
1: 808. Uh, The fastest lap in the race was done by the 911 car that eventually actually was uh, taken out of the result for engine irregularities. But they managed an 817.7 during the race last year but bear in mind you know you've got 150 odd cars out uh, as well that was probably done in the middle of the night i would guess when conditions were near enough perfect i actually I, you know thinking about it the fastest lap tends to be done very early on in the race where you haven't got any traffic absolutely so yeah, yeah more likely to have been on lap one or, or not one but two or three perhaps before they catch the tail enders. i'll dig that bit of uh, information out in due course the 119 car Is one of the two Toyota Altises, I think I'm right in saying. This is the team from Thailand, and 119 is joined by the 120 machine. So, yeah, Toyota Corolla Altises for the Toyota Gazoo Racing. So, basically the same establishment. Oh, spin on the Grand Prix track for the Mustang. The Mustang, yeah, Yeah. the Zebra zebra liveried
0: Mustang, and it's uh, Oh, I'm thinking that's a... I think that might be an engine failure, uh, because that is smoking, and I think it's possibly spun on its own uh, oil. That's the number 67 Mustang GT of uh, Oliver Sprungman. Um, That's... uh, it's facing the wrong way, and there's there's an awful lot of smoke billowing out from the engine bay, the front-engined Mustang there, and uh, uh, there's, there's even evidence of stuff on the track. I suspect that car has lunched itself and potentially spun on its own oil. Indeed, he is getting out of Sprungland, getting out of that car, and uh, uh, that may not be taking much part for Brett, I would suggest possibly not today. No, we've got a big gap, I think all probably right. 5.30 before we're on again tonight. Uh
1: Yes, check that time. But uh, that's one of the three alternatively fuelled cars, so they don't pit in the same area as everybody else in the pit lane. They turn right and into a little bay where LPG, I think, is available. and various other bits and bobs as well. But uh, that's not the first time we've seen that Ford Mustang in the race, certainly. Right in front of the Lant Motorsport Audi. As the Audi was exiting the Dunlop hairpin, the Mustang was having its own moment, the OVR racing Cologne entry. And yeah, no, absolutely no contact, power down. And I think you're right, Fluids underneath the rear wheels has pitched it into a spin. It's gone right through uh, 180 degrees. It's later on in the lap, isn't it? Is that the no. Dunlop hairpin? No, it's towards the bit kerber, I think and the run after that uh, awkward S's. Anyway, driver is out, and that car needing to be recovered, so there'll be yellow flags certainly out on that part of the circuit. Oliver sprung- Sprungman uh, at the wheel of that car when it happened. So, yeah, well, don't be surprised. Sprung,
0: sprung surprise on him there, because I think I caught him out by there, uh, from what we've oh, just, yeah. uh, just been indicated to us, that it, it appears that uh, as, as he came into the turn, uh, smoke or something suddenly appeared from Around the engine bay area and out of the back of it and as we said Johnny onto the rear tires and that's just The car just rotated It's facing the opposite way and I think he had absolutely no control He was a a passenger as soon as that whatever it was that let go instantly Lucky that the Audi right behind it Yeah uh, Was sharp enough reflexes that was the number 29 car wasn't it? It was Uh, Just to to be able to So Rene Rast Yeah Rene Rast in the Audi sports car Uh, R8 And and again this this brings in yet another dimension of this type of racing uh, I know it sounds really obvious, but something as simple as that happens, where you're not really involved, in nothing to do with it, you're doing the right thing, and a car in front, it's not, it's not Sprungman's fault, it's pretty clear something mechanical has happened in an instant, which has fired him off, he's missed everything, but if you've done that seconds different, and being collected one of the Audi Sport cars, and you suddenly, you're involved in it, and there's damage, and you've got to get on the radio and say, I've just collected so-and-so, how did that happen? It's, it's not what you want on Thursday of a, of a 24-hour no. weekend. No. Certainly not. Well, any time, actually. You don't want it at any point. Maybe
1: the slowing down that like, so you out to get away with it. It doesn't really matter yeah. then. True. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember who gave us a quote last weekend at Le Mans, it was Richard Bradley or possibly Tom Ferrier, but he, he spoke about landmines in the race that you've basically got to avoid and you never know when the next one's going to explode. You don't know which incident you may be partially involved with, definitely involved with, you managed to avoid completely. Uh, but Rene Rast, I mean, a real superstar. It's his... Uh, normally aspirated V10 you can hear in the background and we are motoring our way down to the lower part of the circuit at Exmuller and the bridge over one of the well one of the public roads pretty much you thunder your way down into the valley at Exmuller and then the run up towards Bergwerk and Kesselschen afterwards you mentioned Richard
0: Braden there of course was in LMP2 last That's weekend right, at the uh, funny enough, on the way in this morning, he, he spoke to me, phoned me, okay. because he's entered uh, an Aston Martin Owners Club meeting next weekend, driving a 1930s Le Mans Aston Martin. How different can you get? And he all wear his proper, he's full overall still, and boy can he pedal it. Uh, I think both John Hinduff and uh, Joe have seen him do that car, but uh, race that car. But it's quite extraordinary. We're talking about 24-hour Nurburgring race, all GT cars after Le Mans it always yep. follows on this race. Differences to drive different cars, we're talking about drivers going from one in, the, in their own team driving different cars. It's always a setup going to be slightly different. How different can you get from a current LMP2 car, which is basically, let's say, the top category, really, of endurance racing at the moment, and into a 1930s car that is effectively, think about this, 90 years old?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: We say 1930s, it's actually a 1920 car its now is 100 years old. Yeah. Uh, You you think, that's a 90-year-old technology that was cutting edge
1: at Le Mans in its day. Yeah. (laughs) works team car. I mean, cars of the same vintage, but Matthias Besch, who's driven for Rebellion in the past at LMP1 level, has raced in this event in a Renault Clio. So, LMP1 to uh, a very, very small hatchback car. Uh, but yes, the the shift in brain calibration for Richard Bradley is something to behold when you're just two weeks apart, two, yeah, two weekends apart. So wishing him well for that. Uh, but I think
0: people of his caliber that they, they just adapt and get on with it. It's just you know, you know, yeah, They'll probably try and go well, the car's a the car, isn't it? As
1: yeah. Well, well I, yes. I remember having a similar <laughs> similar discussion with Sam Bird as well, who yeah. is now an AF Corsa factory driver. But of course, he hadn't raced that Ferrari 488 that he was in last weekend. Since Le Mans last year, and he's been doing Formula E since then, and yet A, of course, are still employ him to drive their Ferrari incredibly quickly. When you think, well, when was the last time you actually drove this car? But they only need a couple of laps, and they're back in the groove
0: again. But that, that is uh, absolutely right. It's the indicator of a true professional, isn't it? That they can just do that. And to to us mere mortals, it's uh, how do you do that? It's. Yeah. Uh, It's very similar. I had a a good friend years ago who raced uh, at an amateur level club, but very successfully. But his day job was a jumbo captain for British Airways. Uh, And he bought into the share of a chipmunk, a a train RAF trainer, on the basis that he'd get more of the seat time in it because the other people were businessmen, whatever. And then he told this hilarious story of the first time he flew it from Elstree. And he went off and did his bits, whatever, and came back. And when he came back, he said, I couldn't land it. And we all sort of looked, and why not? And he said, He said, well, the ground came up too quickly. And I said, hang on a minute. What what, what do you mean? He said, you've got to remember, I'm in a jumbo, two stories up, on instruments. He said, I'm in this little thing. He said, and this grass was approaching him. He said, I had to pull back and go around and do a few more circuits and think about it. And he had to retrain his brain to go, OK, the wings are going to bounce. It's going to be bumpy. It's going to move. And it's exactly that sort of thing, as you say. Richard Bradley's going to do it next weekend. Jumping from an LMP car, That everything, it does what it should do where you point it, where you go, everything works, to getting into a 1930s Aston Martin Mm. that uh, has got crossfly tyres and won't go anywhere at once, it won't do anything in a straight line. But will he enjoy it? You bet he'll enjoy it. And more importantly, will he get a good result out of it? Absolutely guaranteed he'll get a good result
1: of it because he's a pro, that's what he'll do. Yeah. I'd imagine being a pilot is one of those occupations where you really Uh, don't want that thought, I can't remember how to do the next bit. Well, he'll come back to me.
0: The, the same guy always said the definition of a pilot was one that had an equal number of landings as he had takeoffs. Which I thought was a great phrase.
1: <laughs> you always want that, uh, yes. yeah, that, that ratio to be exactly equal. Audi number eight heading no number twenty, 20 nine beg your pardon, in eighth place is Rene Rast, and he streams across the line. And up ahead of him is uh, a recovery vehicle, an American pickup truck out on track at the same time as this session being live and that's something else that you've got to get used to oh, around to this pick place up it's got to be an American pickup truck hasn't of course it, it has. we've gone to Indianapolis haven't we <laughs> but yeah on the really narrow sections of this track sometimes in the dead of night there'll be the need for arm code barriers to be repaired and that's the time when the large lorries not quite articulated but uh, more than a 7.5 tonner is <laughs> out far off it, yeah. yeah is out on the track and the race traffic has to negotiate it Everything is signposted well. The marshals are out with their code 120s, 120 kphs, that is, and code 60 boards, yellow flags, double-waved yellows, uh, and there's no real excuse for not knowing what's going on. It's just just nothing else quite like this is done in the motorsport world, unless you're in an LLS race or the Nürburgring 24 hours. More evidence of that leaf fall in the grill on the nose of the Abilene-sponsored Porsche from Fricadelli, so that must be the number 30 car of, it's not, I beg your pardon, so Avalon carried on both 30 and 31, I thought that was going to be our big help to tell the two different cars apart, but not this year, so 31 is the fully pro-entered machine, 30 is the pro-am and the cars are no different, it's just purely uh, down to your driver makeup and there was another car as well in that queue. Oh, yeah, one of the Rover uh, racing BMWs with an awful lot of leaves in the grille, too. So the team will be wary of that and engine temperature feeding their way back up from the Dunlop hairpin and through the really fast sweepers. That initial left and right after the hairpin is so quick. And then you do have to leap on the brakes for the, the tighter left and right a bit further up the hill. Lights frantically flashing, too and there was a time at Le Mans where one button press would produce 10 flashes automatically, that's not the case in the GT3 car, so you've got to always be warning those behind, strafing, Strafing, it's a good word, yeah, (laughs) bang on with that, Um, but yeah, to my knowledge, the GT3 cars don't do that, and you have to input the flashes manually, darting around the outside of one of the, now that's either a BMW M2, or one of a, a number of uh, M240i Racing Cup cars. Sadly, we don't have the 20-plus in that Cup 5 division, and I've often reveled in a fight in Cup 5 which has, well, had something like 10 dicing for the lead, even four or five hours in, but uh, I make it one, two, three, four, five, I think six, possibly seven Cup 5 cars for this year's race, and they're all the newer M240i Racing Cup version. Produced
0: some of the best best racing in NLS this they year. Do. Yeah. Particularly the uh, uh, Pixum uh, Team Adrenaline Motorsport cars. Uh, they've had multiple multiple entries, and they've got uh, three cars entered. three of those 240Is uh, in this cars: two four two, two four one, and uh, two forty. Unsurprisingly. Um, quite cleverly done that wasn't it yeah I, th- I think even I can see the, how that works um, but yeah, so and and again and, you know decent people in those cars as well I mean we forget we talk about uh, what we call SP9 and GT3 category but there's a uh, you know there's battles as you said at the, at the top of the show Johnny no less than 23 classes in this uh, and some of the best racing will come from down in that that order um, we've got all sorts of different things of course the lower spec uh, Audis and stuff put further on down there your S3 Bonk Motorsport um, Team Saw got in the Rensport. Pixum, as we mentioned, Team Adrenaline with their three uh, M240i versions. Then, of course, don't forget we've got the Caymans. That's six, six Caymans entered. Uh, that's Cup Three, I think, isn't it? Correct. That's Cup Three cars. So the Classic Cup Five. Uh, the the ones that normally those those Cup Five with the gold one. Normally, there's absolutely extraordinary battling out there. Uh, and then of course we've got a t- couple, couple of TCR cars, the two Hyundais we mentioned, the Veloster and the 130i uh, and the last, the last car on the entry there is a Manti Racing 911 uh, GT3 RS yeah. right at the back there.
1: But you can strike that one I'm afraid because yeah, it's so. not in the entry and it's a real disappointment for many that uh, would have loved to have seen the, the Grello car as it's called, the combination of green and yellow so they they don't use the German translation for green and yellow. It's very much anglicised. Although there is another car um, probably soon to be involved in in an NLS or a a Nürburgring 24 hours, known as the Rotor car, which is this new crossover between a, a Porsche Carrera Cup car... So the, the one without the ABS uh, and um, the GT3 car. It sort of sits between a Cup car and a GT3 car. One of them is present on the grid, which is in SP Pro this year. The Black Falcon team Identica entered, and this is the nomenclature they go for, Porsche 911 GT3 Cup MR, MR being for Anti Racing. Uh, still carries this, it's got a, a Porsche Cup engine and gearbox, but it has a little bit more aero on it. So they're trying to fill that gap between a Cup car that you see in, for instance, Porsche Super Cup that supports the Grand Prix or in the domestic championships, Porsche Carrera Cup Deutschland, Great Britain, France, between that car and then the GT3s that are taking part in SP9 this weekend. So uh, one of those on the grid. But they have produced one that is a combination of, of red and orange. So they've combined the German word for red, which is rot, and orange, and called it a rotor car, rotor. I'm quite looking forward to seeing that, but uh, it's not here this weekend. Got to wait a little bit longer. We've got grello and rotor. The vagaries of the German language is never, it's a, uh, if,
0: if in doubt, why, why create a new word, just put the two words together? Pretty and, much, it, it, yeah. And
1: you've got a new word, that's yes, it. absolutely. Yeah, it's a simple way of doing it. The Rene Rast car, I think, is going a lot better than the sounds in the background would indicate. That's the car in the pit lane, the sounds, whereas uh, the Rene Rast machine is threading its way up the hill on the Grand Prix track. Uh, It shouldn't be forgotten quite how much gradient change there is on this Grand Prix circuit, by the way. I mean, if you were to walk it, the the walk from pit lane and the start-finish line down to the Dunlop hairpin, uh, it's quite a descent, and then likewise when you haul your way back up the hill, um, you're not quite done. Then when you get back to paddock level on the Grand Prix track, because it plunges downhill once again through the uh, through the bit curver and that very fast right-hand kink before then you go through the Vidal chicane and turn left at Hyundai corner, which is technically the last corner on the on the Grand Prix track, but not one you use. Onto the hats and back, which is exactly where the fastest car in the session has just gone actually it's much much later on in the lap Beg your pardon heading up towards the uh, Eschbach now and the Kleiner carousel And that is Frank Pereira now at the wheel of the Lamborghini Huracan from Conrad Motorsport, but it is a Time that was set by Marco Mapelli after he came Well, actually to blows literally with Klaus Abelen in the fricadelli Porsche. They Made a slight bit of contact on the first bit of the hat's and back. But no ill effects being felt by the Lamborghini Huracan. And now through Flansgarten and on towards Schwedenkreuz. Uh, sorry, Schwalbenschwanz, rather. Uh, goes the turquoise, sort of teal, livery and black Lamborghini that we've become used to in those colours for many, many years now.
0: Always reminds me of the uh, the, the Vitaphone Maserati MC12s. That, uh, I can see Every what you're time I there. see it, at first glance, I go... It's not an MC12, is it? It's, yeah. It's, it's, and, and Andrea Bertolini. Correct. Yes. Yes. I know that was uh, that was something else that when it came along, everybody just went, oh. <laughs> yes. We, we thought the 550 Pro drives were something. The Marinellas, when they first came out, they'd learn yeah. the 575, but it just moved the bar up. I mean, I remember a, a team manager at the time just saying uh, at that very first race for 550 Marinella, it's Ferrari o'clock. As in, that was just a summary of. that suddenly the bar and totally different again. Hugely, the yeah. MC12 came along and it just stepped into a whole another. It was it was like a spaceship mm. compared to you know things like Dodge Vipers at the time. I really am showing my age now. Like Dodge well, Viper. I, yeah. remember,
1: I remember standing at Donington Park watching those Maseratis and you'd stand at McLean's and literally have both eardrums pierced yeah. by that car as it would go through and love it. I mean I would yeah, fully enjoy exactly. the experience.
0: Yeah, it's a, Can I get any closer? Yeah, 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 a, yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: Uh, but
0: uh, yeah, so that Lamborghini, that Conrad car, so I think they're just basically rotating through their drivers, giving everybody a little bit of track time while the conditions are the same. And again, it's the kind of intel that the team need to collect. Um, they will literally rotate the drivers in those track conditions, look at the data, see it as well. And you can start to see as if they don't know already, but it's always academic to the the circuit, ambient temperatures, track conditions, the car, etc. But they'll start to look at it, analyse it now as to what each driver does, have they got a strong point, whatever, to work out how they do start orders, who's going to be in this position, who can take advantage of this or that. Uh, and it's, it's all just, it's just information gathering all the time. We, we, we sit there from the outside and we, we clearly talk about it, Johnny, about it's a 24-hour race and they just go around for a day. Um, but we all, we all know it's the proverbial swan, isn't it? You've got that little bit of serene that you see above the water underneath. There's an awful lot of work going on. Yeah. And there's a lot of background to the, the team. and we, it, is, it is a team sport. We, we focus easily on the drivers because uh, c- that's, that's obvious. They're in the car at that time. But to get them to that point, and there's there's constant information back and forth about do this, do that and uh, how to drive it to fuel it. And uh, we said earlier on you, you can't teach drivers, or drivers don't like being asked to drive slowly, it's not in their nature. But it is part of it, you've got to drive for your team. Uh, and we hear it quite often when, uh, uh, particularly on little bits of IndyCar or Formula 1, when we get privy to some of the uh, pit to car footage of do this, go to that, go to this setting, go to whatever. It's because it's the team result, and at the end of the, the end of the day, you only get points and the record and the results at one point in the race. And that's the checkered flag. Entirely. everything else, it's, your ego can't get in the way. Personalities, driving styles have all got to be accommodated, but you've still got to drive for a team, uh, and uh, that's one, one of one things I personally love about this type of racing, uh, is that it's it, it's so so many more layers, so many more dimensions. Yes, the car takes part, the car starts and finishes the race, but you've got three or four different drivers, you've all got to accommodate and work around, and somebody will have a different style, somebody will will like oversteer, somebody will like understeer, although I've never ever understood why a driver would like understeer, it's very rare, but some people do, and I've never ever understood that one personally, Uh, and I know I'm not alone on that with a few other people, but uh, some people do, Mm. but how people like a car a certain way, how it performs, And you've got to accommodate that, and that's a team manager's job, and it's getting it out there. The car's got to last, it's got to get to the end. Uh, Somebody might be hard on gearboxes, somebody might not be. And you can suddenly have something change so fundamentally, because you've got a driver that just changes gear in a slightly different way or something, and, oh, that doesn't work, or the time's different. And the other thing you've got it all, number seven Audi off in the gravel, unfortunately. On on the Goodyear tyre, which is interesting. uh, Yeah, and that's Altman, Mike uh, Mike David Altman in the number 24, sorry, the number seven car, my apologies, uh, off in the gravel. That's, uh,
1: now. Well, that car has already come to grief uh, with a a Hyundai, you might remember, earlier on in the session with Patrick Niederhauser at the wheel. Mike David Altman, it's only 20, silver graded. Yeah, car collection entry, and this is a Pro-Am machine because they also have the Slovakian Miro Konopka due to share that car. And that was actually about to be my point in that if you're in Pro-Am, you've really got to set up the car so it's comfortable for the lesser experienced driver, and then the more professional ones can... Adjust to that setup. 100%. That's exactly what you have to do. You, it,
0: it's, a, a, it's a really, really good call there and, and observation, Johnny. That's exactly what you've got to do. It's it's almost like the arm the army marches to the pace of its slowest man. Yeah. The rest have to do it. We saw it, we've seen it earlier in, this, in the season with some of the uh, some of the Mercedes drives, uh, and just you do have to go. You've got your you've got your, your amateur to to the best of their ability. And then you've got your pro driver, well, that, that's their job and they should be able to adapt more. But, um, uh, shame to see something rotated in the gravel there. I'm not sure whether it's been tipped or spun around. The Rover BMW coming out of the pits as well, that's going back in. That was out for a little while, the car we were talking about it a bit earlier. But, uh, just a shame to see a car off in the gravel there. But no, no apparent damage. You can't see, uh, well, the other side of it, but it looks like it's okay. So, I'm guessing it may well just have rotated under its own steam or lack of steam or something or locked up and swapped ends. Um, Let's hope there's nothing more severe than that. Uh, it is beginning to be removed, as we speak. Obviously, yellow flags for that session. That's not down at the heaven, is it? That's a bit. No, it's not. It's that's the where run the Mustang downhill. went off, is it? Now, just wonder. I, well, uh, it's a bit too I late now. It, it is possibly. where the Mustang went off, a bit further around the corner. But uh, I couldn't have thought I thought for a minute, could there be any flu? But there's been too much of a gap. Too many mm. cars have gone over it since. I ne- I'm never sure I was
1: fully concluded where the Mustang spun, actually. I was try- just still there. trying to work that out. OK, so that's actually the run down the hill there's also something going on by the way on the exit of the the caracciola the carousel the proper carousel which is the really tight left hander with the inside line being concrete paving slabs and there's a code 120 set up there into a code 60 with the treble one car it looks like stopped out on circuit treble one is an entry from cup x which is for the ktm crossbows Two Teichmann Racing entered cars uh, in that division. And it's the treble one car of Gael Greisemann, Reinhard Koffler and Mike Ronafarth who drive that. Um, and a new driver, you know, I didn't think they would be doing the race with just three. So I need to get a first name for Mr... or Herr Volter. But Volter at the wheel and the car going nowhere quickly. What I can't tell you at this stage is whether it's made contact with the Arco barrier or not, but uh, it means that there is a, currently a, a slow zone past that scene, no overtaking, and everybody be probably being filtered into, well, single file, maybe uh, dual file past there, and then as soon as they get, just before Hohler Act, back to full race speed again.
0: Yeah, just a little bit of a sight of uh, the, the number 19 car uh, out on. Sorry, the number uh, 11 car out on track at the moment. The um, I'll get it right in minute, 25. My apologies. 25 car. I'll get the three attempts. We got there eventually. Uh, I was so busy. Actually, I'm trying to get the driver's name. I can. This is one of Bruce's absolute favours. This. this ah, is yes. For, this is for Bruce in case he's listening. I'm gonna. We're going to give it a go. But Lorenzo Rocco the Toro that's
1: perfect and I know Absol- Bruce
0: absolutely loves that and he's clipped public schoolboy accent <laughs> so that's my one attempt Bruce if you're listening uh, Johnny's recorded that for. we're going to send it to you on a soundbite yeah no problem uh, it's there for you and it's of course I, I expect the correction of the enunciation to be re- returned very quickly from Bruce I don't think
1: there was any correction needed there at all you've clearly practiced that uh, all I've, week I've heard it a few
0: times because he, he does whenever the, whenever the car's there Bruce is like you can see it comes out He sort of Puffs himself a Napoleon and here we go. It's it's rocker. It's, it's it's a Lorenzo moment, isn't it? That
1: was a Tim bit, knows what I mean. <laughs> that was a bit <laughs> like me last weekend with Vuitton in who was the tie, tie sorry, I didn't quite get that. Sorry. No, no I'm not saying it again. <laughs> no chance. So the you're wise car, to me already. The car collection Audi on the Goodyear Eagles, which uh, is good to see. I'm not sure whether we've had GT3 cars on Goodyears in recent years. Goodyear now very much back, uh, as far as the British Touring Car Championship is concerned, and uh, at Le Mans as well. So Of course, because they just bought out Dunlop, haven't they, so they, it's, well, uh, yes. Goodyear is Dunlop now. Um, yeah, it's done from a marketing perspective, <laughs> because the Dunlop franchise around the world, believe it or not, is not the same. So Dunlop in Europe, in Germany, is not the same Dunlop you will find in Australia, whereas Goodyear is definitely a global brand. So the parent company, Goodyear, they've decided to continue on with their very much involvement in sports car racing. But with American brand Goodyear instead, which is a shame for someone born in in Birmingham and brought up in the Black Country. Uh, The Birmingham brand Dunlop no longer present, but I'm sure that won't be the way of things forever. Just nine minutes to go. You've lost the accent then. It's still there, mate. (laughs) Just about. It's all right, right, mate. All right, mate. Where do you come from? We've got two, two commentators on at once here with strong ties from the West Minners. And you know, at the Nürburgring last year, we had Nick Yellerly from Birmingham, Adam Christodoulou from Litchfield, and me. So we managed to get three of us on all at once without anybody noticing, which was a big surprise. Anyway, the uh, helicopter chopper rotor blades in the background indicate that hopefully we'll be able to call the race from a great height through the course of this weekend as well. Only eight and a half minutes left in this session. This was 90 minutes before we started. It has gone very quickly indeed. And I wonder whether the incident out of the carousel can be... Yes, that is the treble one KTM crossbow. From Teichmann Racing, so just,
0: just seems to be parked at the side of the track. No, it hasn't gone off, doesn't? It? There's any damage? The Mustang being recovered now. That's just been taken away. We knew all about that anyway. The 109 Mustang GT, that the uh, so one of the alternative fuel yes. powered cars. Yeah, there. it
1: runs in AT, which is uh, yeah, alternative well, they any,
0: fuel. They ain't doing any running at the moment. Cause, uh, Sadly, the, not. Sort of something went in that engine, but the uh, the, the said so the the KTM uh, just appears to have stopped at the side of the track, and there's no no obvious. Time marks or damage or anything any trail any evidence of it having gone off I think it's just a uh, I'm guessing second guessing we never know until we get the full answer, but uh, uh, maybe a,
1: a Mechanical failure and it's just just parked at the side of the track I'm hearing it might be Reinhard Volta in the KTM one of two Teichmann racing cars as Michele Beretta now in, out in the number five Phoenix racing car Uh, running in second place in this first qualifying session of the weekend. Remember, there is no room on the timetable for free practice. We had, well, well over an hour of free practice last year for the equivalent race that was run at the end of June, also the weekend after the 24 hours of Le Mans. But it sort of depends on where this race fits in the year. It's normally as close to a German bank holiday as possible, sometimes Ascension Day sometimes other days as well. A very impressive livery for the Pagid uh, Ferrari. This is another 488 it's with the turbocharged engine, hence the very large indica- in- intakes just in front of the rear wheel arches. And car 16, yeah, Helipadget P- Racing 1 for Christian Kohlhaas, Nikolai Rogivu, um, Stefan Kohler, and I'm unsure as to a fourth driver there, but there will be one. It's just there wasn't one on an initial entry list. But that being a, an SP9 Pro-Am car, that is eligible to take part in, in top qualifying one tomorrow. And haven't fully explained the qualifying for tomorrow night, but basically it's a session for 17 cars, 18 cars I think it is, uh, gunning for the top four positions. And if you finish in the top four in top qualifying one, that ensures your entry into qualifying two, where there are just four places up for grabs, alongside 13 cars that have already cemented their place. So we'll have 17 cars in top qualifying two tomorrow afternoon/ evening. Beautiful conditions right now at the Nurburgring, both on the Grand Prix circuit and the Nordschleifer. The Eiffel Mountains in the distance make this a, a picture-perfect, picture postcard day. Just a question of how long we can hang on to this good weather, because it's the Nürburgring, and there's always going to be a little bit of rain, you would think, during the race. But we were saying that Le Mans was going to be held in near-biblical conditions. Actually, the rain never arrived last weekend. The forecast got uh, where the rain was just pushed further and further back, and eventually it rained Sunday night, I think, and completely missed the race itself. So could we be in a similar situation in Germany? Five minutes to go. Axel Jeffries takes charge of the 21 Lamborghini Huracan that tops the times. Nearly four seconds is the gap from the Phoenix Racing Audi. Jules Gunon setting the time, but now Michele Beretta is at the wheel with Adam Christodoulou mentioning the Midlanders. Uh, He now gets into the uh, Mercedes number four of HRT, and that car is currently... In third position, ahead of Newman to KCMG, York Bergmeister getting a very late call up indeed. And Dries Vantor, the younger brother of Lawrence. Lawrence not permitted to be. Well, actually, he. Lawrence Vantor wasn't at Le Mans, was he? But I don't think. Uh, um, I'm not sure that uh, Lawrence is on site, though, for the same reasons. Got me thinking now whether Lawrence was uh, at Le Mans. But he is a regular, of course, in the US arm of the Porsches. GTE and we didn't have any of the USA version of the 911 RSRs at Le Mans this year purely from a logistical point of view likewise Corvette didn't travel but Dries Van Tor is there and he managed to take victory in last year's race along with fellow Belgian Fred Verviche, Nico Muller the Swiss and Frank Stippler
0: Talking the Ferraris there, Johnny. I've not noticed uh, my, my favourite, uh, the Octane Ferrari, not being out on track in this session at all. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, just to uh, just make because it's a very very similar colour scheme to the one you've just been uh, highlighting, the two-tone blue. Yeah, the number 16 car, the Hella Paget car, uh, racing one, and of course the uh, the other one being the the all Swiss entry, number 26, uh, Octane 126, uh, normally pedalled in this entered in this race for Bjorn Grossman. Uh, Simon Trummer, Jonathan Hershey and Luca Ludwig who've had some uh, stellar performances in that car including uh, uh, a near win in the six hour uh, but didn't quite make it on the fuel at the end but certainly a a race win in round two but then formally disqualified afterwards because of that tyre regularity on the left rear which is a shame but a front running car Um, so not seeing that out, it's a Swiss entry so we'll keep an eye on why that hasn't appeared I can't see it anywhere yet Um,
1: Well I've got an Octane 126 Ferrari in 90th position with Grossman, but I'm not even sure he's, com- he's completed the um, The lap that he was on and that took him 21 minutes, so It is concerning whether it's been out or not It's even more concerning. he has been out for a lap and not completed it because it's stuck out in the countryside somewhere um, So mildly concerning, but uh, we will Try and investigate that between now and the end of the day the 704 Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus SCG004, now Glickenhaus of course famously going to get involved with the World Endurance Championship next year in the hypercar era and Jim Glickenhaus who is a wonderful character has uh, had one of his cars on pole position in this event in the past but never managed to get the win, is there an opportunity with the 704 machine this year uh, is eligible for top qualifying. Runs his car seven oh four, but not in SP nine. It's an SPX car because it's not strictly a GT three machine.
0: Well, hoping for a, a better run in the twenty four hour than he had in the six hour a few weeks ago, where it had a, a huge fire issue in qualifying, and then rebuilt it and got the car out, and they just, uh, I think they just had the amount of damage done from a fire, there's always going to be collateral damage. They did an the extraordinary end, uh, job uh, to get the car into the race, the uh, but uh, being peddled by uh, uh, no less than Richard out. Westbrook uh, at the moment. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, a, a man of, uh, to us Brits, of Porsche fame, really. Uh, yes. Uh, amongst other things, but uh, that's how I well, I was, ra-
1: was racing with Aston Martin last weekend, and yeah. they bagged themselves a podium and uh, sealed the Manufacturers' Championship with Nicky Team and Marco Sorensen. But, yeah, I mean, you, you think about the cars that Richard Westbrook has raced through the years, Porsche, and I remember the days when he was in the Carrera Cup GB with Damien Faulkner um, and all the others, Tim Harvey, um, he has raced... And that's t- a two t- commentator he's seen the lines, Tim Yes, he did, <laughs> yeah. Is he a better commentator than driver? Questionable. Ooh! Uh, <laughs> I know Tim, so <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll ask him next time I see him, yeah. <laughs> um, But Westbrook, long time with Corvette, so knowledge of front-engine mm. cars, now in Aston, racing an Audi in this race and the Glickenhaus. I mean, think about the number of race overalls he must have back at base. In, well, uh, this both London. cars he's racing a mid-engine in this one, so you're not going That's to true. front to a rear, so not too
0: much to adapt for the old brain there for him. But uh, uh, yeah, you take part in the Nurburgring 24-hour race and you're not content with doing that, you've got to drive two different cars in it. Yeah. It's just greedy, isn't it? It yeah, is. So. A little bit, yeah.
1: Right. So let's just uh, make sure you're aware of the car that Westy is in in the from the Audi perspective it's the 14 Phoenix racing car Mike Rockenfeller joining him in that but as you say he's also in the driving lineup for Jim Glickenhouse's team in the SCG the clock has disappeared in the corner of uh, our screen and that means that time is up but if you are on a lap, you have started a quick one you will be allowed to, to finish it so that's what I mean about uh, potentially this session running on for another 8 minutes or so one of the first cars to cross the line is uh, a BMW M240i racing cup car and much discussion down at Mercedes I heard Chris, uh, Adam Christodoulou having a chat with Maro Engel and his other teammates, Lucas Stoltz and Manuel Metzger about the uh, the code 120 that was out just after the Carousel proper, so no opportunity to push for a really quick lap. Also, the guys at Car Collection in deep discussion as well. Merco Baltolotti, who spends an awful lot of time in Germany these days, but is Italian by birth. And Merco, a superstar when it comes to driving uh, Audi's quickly these days, but uh, it used to be Lamborghinis not too long ago, of course. So the times show that Mark Amapelli, by the looks of things, is going to be quickest in qualifying one. Remember, if you're racing in an SP9 Pro or Pro-Am car, then these times are sort of irrelevant because what you're looking to do is get into top qualifying tomorrow night. Rene Rast with the Audi Sport mascot sitting back in one of a a number of Audi Sport garages this weekend, reclining. He has uh, had an entertaining couple of laps behind the wheel of the Latt Motorsport car. He's now handed that over to Chris Meese, who is motoring on between the two red and white curbs. Relatively clear road in front of uh, of Chris Meese right now. Same cannot be said, though, for Axel Jeffries, who has got... It's like a BMW from Rover Racing for company as they helter-skelter their way down the hill towards Exmuller. Actually, that might be the climb up the other side now and on their way towards the... Carousel partway up the hill, really fast section of circuit between um, between Exmuller and the right-hander at Bergvert. But then you put the the right foot down, and it's really just a kind of lift and coast situation between Kesselschen Klostertal, before hard braking as you approach the Caracciola Carousel. And the next question for me is. Tykerman Racing's KTM, is it still sitting on the track, or is there a clear road in front? I reckon that's been cleared now, actually, that little KTM crossbow, And yes, the opportunity to pick up the pace and head through the right-handers. Um, I noticed that the positional numbers in, as you look at the car, top left-hand corner of the windscreen, flashing and blue. That's normally to indicate that it's one of the quick cars wanting to get by. Uh, The blue positional lights are normally assigned um, just before top qualifying. If you've made it into the top 30, you get one of those so-wanted blue flashing lights, and to those in front, they see a flashing blue number, they know it's one of the quick cars wanting to get through. I suppose they can already be be assigned, though, because we know who's going to be in top qualifying tomorrow. Just a question of which order they'll be in. As Axel Jefferies thought about going to abreast there with the BMW. The problem was they were also overtaking a little Porsche Cayman at Brunchen probably better to stay in single file there. I, I, I did I did take an intake of breath
0: from it though. I think you did the same while I was watching. Yeah, it. It was like a, Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure you might want to do that Axel and, and, and he didn't he 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 had a look and then thought better of it Didn't he So <laughs>
1: you do not want to lose a corner on the car on effectively no. the slowing down lap of the well We are still I, I realize competing for times but we have got two more sessions of qualifying to come, of standard qualifying, and then the shootout. So there's plenty of mileage yet before we even get to warm-up on Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> it was we're, only, we're
0: only Thursday lunchtime. <laughs> I know. Two days away. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, but uh, it is the Conrad Motorsport car. say so actual Jeff is currently in that car. The driver's been cycled through that. And, all the twitch coming out of the sh- uh, carousel there for that car. Just exactly as I commented. Uh, I think that was... Didn't look a great deal, I'm just trying to relate what's happened there, it didn't look a great deal, but I bet in car, if if, if, if there were an in-car shot at the time, I bet there was a, a lot of correction going on to catch that. That was more than yeah. just a little twitch. that was a, uh, that will have got his attention to say the very least.
1: The, the awkward moment where your car's straddling the concrete and the tarmac there, um, and there's quite an angle change, a, a camber change between how the slabs have been laid and then the, the shallower asphalt at the higher bit. So very easy to have a moment coming out of there. If you line up the carousel and the Kleiner carousel later on in the lap, I mean, it can be perfect in sort of popping you out, spitting you out the corner and giving you that forward momentum, but it's also really easy to get that part of the circuit wrong
0: it's about being precise, and that's exactly it. as you say. The entry to it, and all the way through it, is easy. As you say, it's that bit, that camber change, when it suddenly comes out, and it says, as you said, it either pops you out to a good lap, or it spits you off, yeah. or spits you into an air, and that—that's the problem. And it, it can be a matter of centimetres different to, to do that. Um, certainly in these, these these big GT cars, and gotta uh, be a little bit careful. They're still. Uh, I think they're just start, Are they starting another lap?
1: They will have got the checkered flag that time by, so they will yeah. what they will do is go round Ooh, Ooh, another big wiggle from yes. Jeffries. <laughs> yeah. Not the thing to be doing now that you really are competing for a lap time, because this is this will just be a slowing down lap of the Grand Prix circuit. That's why, that's why I asked you
0: the question, Johnny, because the the, the the pace of them didn't mm. look to me as if they were on a slowing down lap. And, no. was, and that's why exactly why I asked are you sure? Because it looks like there's still there's still a little bit of a uh, rivalry shall we say yeah, for one, well, to a maybe. better word going on between these two at the moment and uh, exactly as, as you said there why, why would you want to do that on a slowing down lap it's a uh, uh, discretion better part of Valor and all that and you just, so. just back just back out of it boys There's, it's two days before the race starts yep yeah yep. T- two days from now the race won't have started
1: four that's days hours from
0: now it won't have started yet that's very <laughs> that's, true that's where we are we're
1: still uh, a couple of hours out from the Saturday uh, afternoon start damage on a Cayman, and i'm not sure no, that's that was the, the same one, one th- from th- earlier on yeah, i don't very, know
0: i think it's the very same one that, that The first first bit of non track action i off track yeah. action we saw i think that's the same car okay could well be well let's not hope there's two in the same team that don't let's 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 just keep it to one and one incident shall we All right. uh,
1: yeah so in the shadow of the Nürburgring castle it is axel jeffries who takes First bragging rights of the weekend by topping qualifying one, effectively what was free practice uh, for the equivalent event last year, an 811.428, he is 3.9 seconds quicker than the number five phoenix racing audi so it's a lamborghini huracan who tops the times jules gunon set the time in the number five phoenix racing audi although michaeli Beretta did quite a bit of number of laps after that fourth position for adam christodoulos mercedes and i probably think it was adam who set the time maro engel not sure even got into the number four at any point there but we can check on that later on Uh, the kcmg porsche of earl bamber dennis olsen timo bernhardt and York bergmeister Finished the session in fourth position ahead of the number one car of Dries Van Torn, Frederik Nico Müller, and Frank Stippler. Another entry from the Phoenix Racing gang. Uh, sixth position for the number three Audi of Mirko Bortolotti, Robin Freins, Chris Hauser and Marcus Winkelhock. And then the 22 and the 29 cars. They are a Mercedes and uh, an Audi respectively from 10Q Racing. And the Audi Sport Team uh, car from Lant Motorsport, number 29. Renault Rast did a number of laps in that session, and Christopher Meese finished things off. Ninth position to the number two Mercedes HRT entry. Philip Ellis, the last to be at the wheel of that. And Jordan Pepper got some time in the 101 car, which is uh, the Valkenhorse BMW M6, he shares with Mikkel Jensen, David Pittard, and Christian Cronjes. And wondering whether I might be able to whip through some of the uh, cars that topped the classes. SPX sort of lumped in with SP9. It's a one-car class, but uh, 24th position for the Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus 004. SP8T was topped by the Horse BMW M4 GT4. That's obviously had something done to it, which means it can't run in SP10, which is the kosher GT4 category. Or two extra bits of aero, quite possibly, or a change to the ECU, and it runs in SP18 instead, as does the sister car from Vulcan Horse that finished second in the class. Cup X was topped by the Treble 11, despite it having dramas in the session and slowing down just after the carousel. 1 1 1 does finish the best in Cup 3, it is Steve Brooks, yes, that Steve Brooks who featured at Le Mans last year. One or two website, one or two um, journalists and websites. Uncovering the fact that that is actually Philippe Hazerbrook, who's been to Le Mans a number of times and I think has raced in this event as well, but now known as Steve Brooks' car 301. And in SP10, it's the 37 Toyota Supra, the new 2020 spec GR Supra GT4 from Novell Racing with its Toyo tyres and Turbo Asahi setting the best time in that, uh, which was a 9 minutes 54. Right, qualifying one done. Um... What more do we know uh, now, Peter Snowden, than we perhaps didn't know at the start of the session? I Lumb- suppose it's the
0: Lamborghini's quicker than I thought it, it would be. Yeah, I agree. Didn't um, expect did, it to be up yeah, there. Yeah, um, not, not discrediting it, but I thought top ten, no question, no brainer. Top five, mm, possibly. So five, six, seven, thereabouts. I just, I just didn't think they'd be topping it straight away. And that, that comes back to what I said. It's almost academic. It's not that important. But it is for the break. It's the first timed session of the weekend, yeah. And they've gone over it. And what it does is, whether it matters or not, it gives everybody a bit of a, a fillip in that team of we're at the top. We've just done the first session. Our cars at the top. And it's it, it's great to see. Um, we we will see what else goes on. Um, I'm still intrigued to see what our times are. Actual Jeffries, as to say, uh, we just noticed on that on that last lap where there was a a couple of couple of real sort of twitches. Uh, with that car which was slightly odd one the carousel you were yes. saying quite rightly compared to the carousel the contour understandable but a bit further around the lap it had a had a moment where it shouldn't really have had a moment and you just I wouldn't have thought Axel Jeffries was overdriving it I am trying to put the driver out of the equation so what is it what's mm. causing it to do that Unless uh, it's
1: it's so on the ragged edge in order to get that time. I mean, it's four seconds quicker than anybody else, but I don't think many other cars were really pushing. Uh, they might well have just been using that session literally as free practice. It's qualifying one by title, but I think you I know, tend to agree, yeah. nobody wants to go all out in the first session. So uh, we will see the times dip, no doubt about it. And uh, don't forget that there is another lengthy session uh, billed for later on today. This is the uh, qualifying two which is a three-hour session, and we will be on air just before that with full coverage. You can again catch that on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels, and we will be on air at 8.25 Central European, summertime 7.25 in the UK, uh, to cover that session, which starts five minutes later. So it's 8.30 through till 11.30 uh, on site, and we'll bookend it by about five, with about five minutes of build-up and uh, five minutes of reflection. Join myself, Johnny Palmer, and Peter Snowden for qualifying two later on here on RS1. Bye for now.